Welcome to the Pergo Podcast. This is Jared Pitney, and today I'm joined by Dr. Martin Egensberger, who is the president of Black River Technical College. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you for having me. Does anybody ever refer to you as Doc Martin? Uh, a few people do, uh, and and I get it. the The reference is clear. Uh, Doc Martin shoes are really unattractive shoes. They're hardy. They can take a beating, but but nobody really wears them out in public. So that's I get it. I get why they do that. Okay, so. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Uh, I, I will say this: I have been. Uh, I don't get nervous uh, about doing these uh, very often, but I have been nervous about this particular episode. Uh, one because you have way better hair than me definitely <laughs> i would say probably the best hair of anybody who's been on the podcast no offense to curtis hit who also has that's good great hair. hair that's great yeah great, great hair. hair yeah um and and i went to your school mm-hmm. long before you were there but my first semester pretty sure i made all f's there yeah. might have been a d in there and so I, I couldn't even pass one of the classes at the school that you now run. Well, I, I would like to uh, to thank Black River because that uh, that shows that even the students that have failing grades go on to do wonderful <laughs> things. So there's a plug for Black River there. Even if you make D's and F's, you're shoulder, head and shoulders above everyone else. And again, uh, thanks for the hair. The truth is uh, I really need good hair to cover up what is naturally there. So, I, uh, I, I yeah, I am a very ugly bald man i will just tell you that right now so so what just being an average with this hair is that's bringing it all up to average <laughs> that's why i wear the beard man. oh that's exactly right that's, that's, the face. that's it covers up that's exactly my my strategy there so well, it's working for you so I, I did a little bit of research um you know and i know some of this you probably don't want to get into but you know cancer survivor phd in mathematics you enjoy chess. You have a passion for firearms. I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you know, you you have an extensive movie collection. You also apparently have a superpower in critical thinking. So uh, th- these things are just just some of the information I've grabbed about you. But I don't know the behind the story. You know, so <laughs> that's what I want to dive into. I want to know, like, where did you come from, and how did you get to where you are today as the president of Black River Technical College? Well, the uh, the last answer I can answer quickly, um, with the decline in education, um, they reached the bottom of the barrel pretty quickly <laughs> for leaders. And so that's, that's really, really how I've survived. I just, you know, the you can, that's left. the last yeah. one left. That's, that's exactly the, the worst pickle in the pickle barrel. That's, but you know, it's a pickle. So that's, that's how that worked. Uh, I grew up in a, in a little bitty town, Maynard, Arkansas, sure. um, we, we moved there when I was really little and I grew up in it. We, we scratched a kind of a scratch a living on a dirt farm there. And, and Maynard, we, we were not wealthy, uh, compared to the other Maynard people. We were, we were poor and to be poor in Maynard, that's advanced poor is what that is. <laughs> that is, poor, that is poor. turbo yeah. poor is what that was. So we grew up in Maynard and, uh, my dad eventually, uh, took a job teaching mathematics, uh, in Blyville high school. And, uh, Mississippi County Community College at the time. And so he would drive all the way through Paragold. And whenever I'd go, we'd always go through Paragold. And so mm-hmm. to this day, that route just brings back memories of, of me and with dad. And so I, that's a really kind of a cool thing. Nice. So I grew up in Maynard and uh, graduated from there and uh, went to UCA, uh, got a degree in, in math there, and then went to, uh, th- then I got a job in Memphis. 
uh, where I worked in. I, I did a billion odd jobs in Memphis, real jobs, but also side jobs, a lot of side hustles. This is out of college? Right out of college. So right. when you came out of college with a mathematics degree, which mm -hmm. hats mm -hmm. off to you, by the way, that part of my brain does not work. Oh, mine either. Well, <laughs> you figured yeah. it out, apparently. Well, it, math is a hard degree uh, if you're smart, and if you're stupid, it's exceptionally hard. <laughs> so it was a really hard degree for me. So I'll what just made say you that. choose it? Uh, spite. Uh, I, the, the whole... My my whole life, I've 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 kind of survived off of spite. It's like, okay, these math people think they're smarter than me, and and they were, uh, but I couldn't yeah. let them know it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. so I finished the degree in mathematics there, and and what uh, did you think you would do? Oh oh, I thought I was going to be uh you know hired right away in some IBM kind of think tank where I'd be solving the world problem, much much like students today think. Oh my gosh, they're going to hire me right out of the gate at ninety eight thousand dollars as an intern or whatever. Yes. But, but I, I thought that my my first job out of college though was um, I was a um, an assistant to a forklift driver in a brickyard. So that was, Which, that was I can see where that ties in. With oh, it does. It was yeah. it was really there's angles involved. Yeah. And, in, and honestly, they they uh, they were unsure when they hired me. <laughs> they were like, I don't know that this guy's going to work out. He he doesn't. I don't think he's got the chops. And so I I hung there for a little while for a good while actually, and kind of moved through the ranks there. And it was. Uh, I eventually became a, a, an office manager, and then I went into the plant kind of production side of things, and was on the a plant supervisor for a okay. while. And then I then I did a, a bunch of other things. I did some odd jobs while I was there. I was a guitar, played a little guitar, and, and you know, monkeyed around a little bit, doing some goofy things like that. I was Were a magician a for a minute. A magician? Yeah, yeah, not a good one, but a magician nonetheless. So what I, did you like about uh, being a magician? Oh, it was just uh, it was it was just the uh, honestly, it was probably the top hat. I think that was probably right. You know, it's the only reason it was that or vaudeville. How else you get going to wear one of those? So that was, the, I, got, I got, I still have a top hat that collapses. It's, we got to add that to, is that on your bio? Uh, on, uh, if you go to Black River, uh, yeah, magician, yeah, former yeah, magician? Um, I will not perform. <laughs> it's one of those that does not happen. The International Brotherhood of Magicians is specifically asked that I not perform. Yeah. There's oh. a rule against showing how tricks work and my natural mm. performance does That's that. The next, next thing I was going to ask you is if you'd show us a trick before you leave it. Yeah, I, I, I might, but it won't be a good one. Okay. <laughs> so, but, but anyway, so I, I did that. And while I was there, I was, I was in the army for a good while. I was a combat engineer in the army. And, and okay. one of my army buddies uh, called me a great friend of mine, great friend of mine, army buddy called me while I was in Memphis doing the work thing. And uh, he said, you know, you always wanted to be a, a math teacher. You were, he was a math person and he invited me to teach with him. He said there was an opening and he couldn't get me the job, of course, but he could, he could pretty much get them maybe to give me an interview. Uh -huh. And so from there, I, I was, that was in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. So I taught for years in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, developmental math, teaching fractions and negative and positive numbers and multiplication to people that hated math. Like and me. so that, that was, well, actually that was, that was one of my favorite times teaching because most people hate, they hate it because they, they had a teacher at one point when they asked a question, the teacher didn't know the answer. 100%. And so if they say, hey, why is this? And the teacher says, I don't know, just do it. That yeah. shuts you off. Yeah. But, but so I always like. This makes you feel more stupid. Oh, exactly. And so I was like saying, you know what? That's a good, you, you want to know why? That's, that's curiosity. Let's stoke that. And, and I've had several people that had troubles in mathematics. A couple of them went on to get PhDs in mathematics from, from those courses. So I really enjoyed teaching. Yeah, from there, I, I was, uh, 
I kept getting demoted and demoted into administration until I've hit the bottom of the administration barrel <laughs> here at Black River. <laughs> so that's kind of how that worked. What do you think people saw in you that uh, when you would land these jobs, you would get promoted? I mean, obviously you're a good communicator. Uh, you're good with people. Uh, you know, Brad Bain, who is uh-huh. the person who turned me on to you, said that your superpower is critical thinking skills. I mean, is it a combination of those things? Is it something different? I mean, I think it's desperation. I think when you're hiring somebody, you really want someone with a pulse. <laughs> so that's really what it was. <laughs> well, that's not totally true. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I, I would say, I, I, it's hard. Hmm. You grew up in Arkansas. That's right. We we are not good at um, bragging on ourselves or yeah. or taking compliments. You want to make me really uncomfortable? Give yeah. me a compliment. I, I start to score. I'm sure. just not good at that. I, I will say probably he says critical thinking, and I don't I don't know that that's the case. I'm I will say I'm a pretty good problem solver, and I think the PhD in math is what did that. It, yes, math wasn't my best subject. It was actually my worst subject. It was my my very worst subject. But my father said something that was really wise. He said, when you go to college, study two things, something you're very good at and something you hate and are not good at. Because no one is going to pay you to only do the things you're good at. Mm. So you must master those things that you struggle with. And you've got to be able to get past that. And so that's where I was on math. And eventually that became where I landed. Wow. So I, I, I attribute it to that. It's... I would say I'm a, I'm a good problem solver as far as the, I would say I'm an average mathematician problem solver. Tenacity might be really my, white knuckle tenacity might yeah. be my superpower. Do, do you think that's what makes a good problem solver? The reason I ask that is, you know, a friend of mine, uh, Bill Fisher, who people that live in Paragol, people know who Bill Fisher is. He was the CEO, CEO is what he was, of Paragol Light and Water. He was a banker before that, but retired as a CEO of Paragol Light and Water and uh, still a good friend and he would tell me that whenever he would do an interview, like the number one thing he was looking for is, is uh, the ability to solve problems. Mm. And so he would, you know, more than asking about even the resume and all this other kind of stuff, he would try to throw them a problem mm-hmm. right in the interview and see like, how would you solve this? Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to be a really big deal that matters in all facets of life. So like, is it tenacity? Like what is it that you think makes a good problem solver? I, I, I think it's, uh, a willingness, a willingness to listen to other people, to get their perspectives. Because I only have two eyes. I can see, I can see this half of the room, and that's only half the data. But if I can get you to tell me what you see, you see the other half, and together we got a, a we have a much better perspective of everything. So I think the willingness to listen to other people's perspectives as as equally vi- viable and valid as your own. Uh, so to take all that data in so that you're not closed off on half half the information and more people, more information. So I think the willingness to listen to other people and recognize that these people are sharp. They, everyone, you said it earlier, you can learn something from everyone. Their perspective is one of those incredibly valuable things. So taking all that and then kind of compiling it and then not letting go until you get it. 100%. So that's, that's what I'd say. I just had a realization, I'm a slow learner, but when as you were talking Maybe that's why we're experiencing so many problems right now in our country. Certainly. Is we are not listening to the people on the other side. Yeah. If, uh, if you already, if you believe you already have the problem solved, then you spend, you, you don't have to listen. What you feel the right thing to do is convince these people that they are wrong. 
Yes. And pe- people don't like to hear that. <laughs> they just genuinely don't like to hear that they're wrong. Yeah. Why do you think we struggle to listen? I would say that goes back to, I'm trying to remember what the guy's name was that didn't listen. Oh, it was a garden, a fella with his wife. Uh, she was Eve. I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now I think I know where you're going. Okay. I, think, I, think, I think it's inherent in human nature. I think yeah. we, listening, is, it makes us vulnerable. Mm. Listening makes you, I mean, you, you put yourself out there as not knowing. And if you're going to be open to what this person says, they could criticize you and it could hurt. 100%. And so we, that's hard. It is hard to open yourself up to be hurt. Uh, yeah. And the world, I, I think the distance that the internet puts behind people, anonymity that people hide behind, trolls, names, all these fake personas that they can throw out. And they, they spew. People, people get mean sometimes, and they spew this vile and venom at you. And so it's really hard when that the, people get comfortable doing that. And COVID has exacerbated that by making everybody stay at home and, and everything. I think that makes it hard for somebody to say, hey, I'm just going to open up. I'm just going to tell you, you know, go ahead, tell me what you think. It's scary. 100%. And so that's what I would say. We talked about this. I don't know if it was with, I think it was Curtis Hitt whenever he was on here with, uh, is it Ben Sass? How you say his yes. name? The uh, Nebraska senator. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book called Them that I read a couple of years ago. And he just talked about how, you know, social media hasn't really been our friend. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of good that comes mm-hmm. with it. And I'm, I'm sure Black River uses it. Yeah. And we use it. Oh, sure. Uh, that's how people will find this episode through mm-hmm. social media. So there's a lot of great things about it that we appreciate and value. But what has happened is and we've had this decline in community, right? You've seen like the Moose Lodge go away, the bowling leagues go mm-hmm. away, the all those things. Like I was just speaking at Rotary Club a couple of weeks ago and they're like, our numbers are way down. You know, it's like, it's, it's grown back, but it's like, it's not where it ever, maybe it might not ever be where it once was. You know, like community is in decline. Like we build these houses, very few houses want to build a front porch anymore. It's a back deck and a mm-hmm. privacy fence and a two-car garage and you shut the garage as soon as you come home and all that stuff. And so with, with the decline of community, we still long for it because we were created, this is my theory, mm-hmm. our relational God for relationships. So you cannot not be relational. So you got to look for relational connections somewhere. You get on social media and what we now have rallied around is what we're against mm-hmm. rather than what we're for. I think that's fair. I think it's very fair. The philosopher Martin Buber, uh, or I think his book was I and Thou, that talked about the identity, a lot of our identity is based on what we are not. You know, mm-hmm. we, when, when somebody says who you are, what you are, we're, a lot of who we are is that me, you, we are two separate things. So what is that difference? So we use those differences to define us. Mm-hmm. And that's in our inherent, that's the inherent nature. I am not a tree. I'm not, I, I am a person, which means I'm not these other things. So by defining things, you, uh, you kind of compartmentalize. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think we are tribal and you really, yes. as a, as a tribal people, we, we want to find people that are like us, you know, that are, that For are sure. alike. And especially if it's, if it's some, uh, some people you've never met, then it, it's easier to just grasp onto that one big concept that hey, I am not those people. Yeah. I'm not these people. And, and so that enemy thing, I think, yes. you know, the, the old comic books used to define that you could always tell the superhero the strongest superhero because they had the best villains. I mean, that's you know, <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing, I think. Uh, yeah. So you, before you came here, you were Mountain Home. Is that correct? That is right. 
Um, what were you doing at Mountain Home? I was the I was the vice president for academic affairs, the chief academic officer at that college at Arkansas State. Uh, Arkansas State University of Mountain Home. Mountain Home. Yes. Okay. And so, how did Black River find you? Like, how did that come about? The, the well, I, you know, I grew up here, and yeah. and when when I was in, you know, got into education. Um, as I as I was demoted into administration along the way, I kept wanting to get closer and closer to home. I'd always intended to retire, kind of where I grew up, and so every time there was an opening, it was at at Black River. I'd, I'd always had my eyes on it. My mom went to uh, got her CNA at Black River. Oh, that's my cool. dad co- taught concurrently there, and so I'd always kind of wanted to come home. Um, and as I was as I was looking at this, every time it was almost it was almost the case that every single time I had accepted a new job, six months later an opening oh, came yeah, open, yeah, yeah. and that would have just oh, every time. So I thought the world did not want me at Black River. The world <laughs> so was against you. It was saying, nope, uh, nope, not gonna do it, not gonna do it. You know what's over here? This school. That's what you're gonna get. So so at, at eventually. Uh, the opening came up and the timing was right. And uh, so, I, so I applied as the, uh, for the presidency. Okay, and you've been there now for a year? I, th- I Actually, I think it's coming on the third year. The third year? Yeah, it's coming okay. on to wow. it. It's, yeah, I was so. thinking it was fairly recent. So it, well, I think it, you know, I think if you subtract the COVID, <laughs> no, <laughs> you're probably right. Count, that does messed it. everything up. Yeah, what a great like, time to come in, right? Oh, that was really... With all like, your great plans. Yeah, oh, it was, I would like to, everybody that said, hey, you need to be a college president. That was just before COVID, and I've written several of them letters saying, "What the heck were uh, you yeah, thinking, no, no. man? That was the meanest advice you'd ever given me." <laughs> that being said, honestly, it is. It, it, I am working with the best team. I mean, the the cabinet that we have is an amazing group of people. The faculty are are brilliant. That each cabinet member has a superpower that they're bringing to the table, and they work. It, it's the best team I've ever worked with as a team. I mean, I've worked with some great people. I've worked for the best president in the state of, of Arkansas. Um, and and I've worked with some great people. But this is the most cohesive team I've ever worked with. And that that is a big deal. Why do you think that is? I have no idea. I think God smiled at me and said, okay. You need you a know, break. That's right. You're, you're, <laughs> you know, you're, you, you, you're messed up in a lot of ways. We're going to throw you this bone. And he, I, I really do think this is the very best team, most cohesive team I've ever worked. Board of Trustees is incredible. Um, a, a couple of Paragold's own are on our board, Carolyn Collins and Sue McGowan. Oh, okay. They're on our Board of Trustees, an amazing board. Uh, the the cabinet are just the hardest working, smartest people in their areas I've ever ever worked with. I, I can't speak enough, and and I'm lucky to be the guy they're going. Hey, you know, here's a stupid idea, and work with a team that that can take a stupid idea, turn it somehow into something good, and implement it. Yeah. So that's that's where we are. Tell me about your vision for Black River Technical College. First off, just tell us for those just the average listener. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between a technical college and a university? Uh, oh, that's a great question. A university is designed primarily around the old liberal arts model of an of a college, uh, the trivium quadrivium, the the uh, the sciences and math that that you want to be an enlightened citizen that will improve your life over the long haul. Those are great great institutions. You're, you're a product of one. I'm a product of one. Uh, all of our faculty and staff at some point are products of, of that. Um, the technical college is a little different. Um, it goes less from that model to more like the old guild schools. It's more of you, you get an expert that teaches you 
and, and you become almost a, an apprentice under them and you become a master craftsman. And so what we do at Black River that's different than the universities, of course, we have gen ed courses and they all transfer to university. But our emphasis is on that DNA that's in our roots. Um, we have a law enforcement training academy. We have firefighters, nurses, paramedics, uh, machinists, gunsmiths, um, uh, robotics, uh, a lot of these classes that are very hands-on. And so what we do that's different, um, and, and we love scholars and thinkers. Now, the world needs them. But we are... We focus on getting people, uh, making heroes and craftsmen, mm. and we get them into the workforce, get them a job, and then they have the wherewithal and the money to become enlightened a little bit later. But first they take care of their family and feed them, because otherwise you can be very enlightened and poor and become disgruntled quickly. Oh, 100%. So, so that's really the difference. Um, that's good. Have you read the, um, yeah, I'm going to mess up the title, The Lost Art of Shop Class? I have not. Uh, have you heard of it? No, sir. Well, it's right up your alley in the world that you're in. It's a New York Times bestseller written by a professor from Harvard who owns a motorcycle shop. Really? Mm-hmm. And um, he basically lays out the, this book came out, I don't know, you could probably look it up, Robert, but it, I think it came out like four or five years ago, something like mm-hmm. that. Anyways, he just basically, his theory, whatever mm-hmm. is that, the world has shifted Universities, like the degree that we pursue in the university, has lost its value. It's his perspective. No, no, I, and then I, I get it. He says that if you really want to make money, mm-hmm. um, become a plumber or an electrician mm-hmm. or learn to do something with your hands, mm-hmm. because most people have they don't have the ability to do that anymore. And so he's like, you're going to be able to go and learn these trades and eventually name your price. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he he's exactly right. And and now I will say I I disagree with him on some things. Um, if that's the the premise, yeah. and I'll read it, I, I will. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what's been going around now lately. Um, recently, I think Arthur Levine wrote a book uh, about the changing landscape of higher education, and the world's becoming a skills based society. Um, we've we've convinced the world for a long time that you've got to go to four year university. You've 100%. got to, and the people that were doing that were the the. Again, the the machinists, the people at Detroit Motor Company that had a job working in a factory, backbone of America, and wanted to make sure their kids, in their mind, did better. But you can saturate the market with with all the business, the MBAs and lawyers that you you can saturate that market. Now that is less valuable in a, in the marketplace than a plumber. Yeah, there's an old joke that uh, that a uh, uh, a plumber goes to an attorney's house and he, he, uh, he, he fixes something in about 15 minutes. He says, you know, that'll be, that'll be $300. And the attorney says, oh, hold on a minute. That was 15 minutes worth of work for $300. He said, I, doing the math, you know, that's six, that's $1,200 an hour. I'm an attorney and I don't make that kind of money. And he says, yeah, I didn't when I was an attorney either. I mean, that was, <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's pretty so. I mean, the market, it, it, it's Yes. People pay for what they need and they need these 100%. things. 100%. So if if I'm hearing you correct as far as thinking about Black River and what a mm-hmm. technical college is, my son, I've got three kids, but you mm-hmm. know, let's say my son graduates and he's 18, and like most 18-year-olds, he really has no clue what he wants to do. He really does. His brain, <laughs> I, sti- his brain, I still don't. Exactly, I, I, right. That's right. So his brain's not even fully developed yet, you know, and, and he does what I did and most people do. You go in and you switch majors five times and you mm-hmm. try to figure out, right? And then you come out with a degree and you show it like, so my 
thinking, my kid's still away from graduating. Mm-hmm. I know you're already there, Robert, mm-hmm. but it's like, I would, in my mind, I'm like, all right, I want to send my kid to Black River to mm-hmm. learn how to do something with his hands mm-hmm. while he's trying to figure out, continue to figure out who am I and what am I put on this earth to do? What do mm-hmm. I want to do? Go learn your trade where you can actually make some pretty good money in it while you figure out, and hey, you might end up making that a career, but if mm-hmm. not, you go pursue a career, you figure something else out, and that doesn't work out, you still got a trade that's going to be very needed oh. to fall back on. Am I thinking through that right? Is oh, that I think you're... I send that kid, my kid, or someone listening to this, to Black River Technical College? Like, is that what they're doing? Uh, that's, a, that's a perfect thing to do. As a matter of fact, my son is finishing his bachelor's in mathematics. He took a semester off so he could get a CDL mm-hmm. uh, so that he could drive, and it, because that will pay for his graduate school. Oh, Walmart's offering like a hundred thousand something now for uh, starting drivers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, yeah, and and so that's the idea. And and when this has been my experience, and this is it, 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 it may be my only one, but something that I've noticed with several people: if if you have a very cerebral job, your hobbies involve something you're doing with your hands. Hundred yeah. percent. And talk about that. And if you have yep. if you have a hands-on job. Your hobbies are something cerebral. You read mm-hmm. or something. So to be well-rounded so that your your son or daughter uh, can either make a living or enjoy their free time, I think the, that skill set using both is is really valuable to them. Oh, I love that. I think, and, and that's that's why we say this about craftsmen because I think the difference between a, a what I would say that sets a Black River apart from many technical schools is that we're steering into the craftsman side of it and that's the arts and humanities and and so craftsmen and heroes the hero learns the skill to to save people to to do what to patrol to do whatever whether they're firefighters uh uh, Mm -hmm. public servants however and the technician learns a skill but it's the why that they're doing it. If they really understand why they are doing this, how this benefits the world and why they do what they do or the decisions they make are grounded in a solid why, then they become a hero Mm. because they're doing this for that. They understand what they must do. And then the same is true. You become a craftsman when you understand why you're doing this and how these things work. So, so, what Black River does is it balances that general education. Again, we are not dismissing that of the universities. There's some wonderful liberal arts schools in this area. They, they are amazing schools, and what they do is wonderful work. But by embedding that into this technical side, you elevate both, mm-hmm. I think. And that, that's what we're looking at. No. It's like Simon Sinek's yeah. start with start why. Start with why. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's exactly right. Yeah, people don't buy what you do, but why you do it. And mm-hmm. once you have a why. That's exactly right. Speaking, yeah. uh, speaking of books, Jared, it's shop class as soul craft. Boy, I Ooh, was way that off. is <laughs> soul craft. That soul sounds craft. like a thing, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and How could you not want to buy that? I don't know. Oh. I feel I feel like I, I want to craft a soul. When you <laughs> see the motorcycle on the cover. <laughs> oh, yeah. You that's what you're doing at Black River Dental College. We're here to craft souls. Yeah, that's what it is. And yes, yes. He gets a uh, an endorsement here where he's called a philosopher slash mechanic. 
That's you. So, you know, actually, that sounds like the book Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance from 100 years ago. You guys oh, may not remember. You know, he might have ripped that off. Uh, no, no, no. I, I, yeah, I, I, uh, I would. No one. I can do the mechanic thing, and I do it on my own because, you know, grow up poor. You've got to do that. But uh, but nobody, I, I don't want to work on somebody else's stuff. <laughs> it's hard enough for me to work on my own. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's, 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 that's really good. right. And I, I think that's, I think that's important. I, I really think it is. I, uh, you know, the the greatest thinkers of all time have kind of tried to cross those disciplines a little bit. Yeah. So, right. so where do you see Black River going five, ten years down the road? Kind of what's your what's your vision? Well, I, I would say we've got a few things that we're doing that are uh, – uh, we're, we're certainly moving into the, into the Paracool area. A lot, a lot more. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we're no, really, no. we're really putting a, a a lot more emphasis in our in our Paragold uh, okay. region. In uh, what way? Well, the we we're working with uh, Josh and Allison, and you know this the the new gen Black River's going to be taking a part in helping teach inside there, and then develop uh, try to develop more of a presence uh, downtown as we enliven this area and bring some students here and kind of make it a little bit, a, a little to, to bring some businesses to the downtown and kind of, that's kind of do that. And in doing that, we're the reason that's a direction we want to go is that also allows us the ability to expand our industrial training that we do for Monroe and Greenbrier and ARI, mm. the, the people at our current facility. So if things work out, we will, we'll do some here, move some people and then have, be able to grow those industries because with the new steel mills coming in, there's going to be an expansion of business over here before long. And then with I-57 hitting, we're going to be a, a major hub for distribution. So I, I think expanding our, our presence downtown here, uh, adding and increasing a lot of work with uh, distribution, automation, robotics, and, and that kind of thing. We, if I were to ask you this question and I just give me this flat, fastest answer that comes to mind who's the mit of two-year colleges i have no idea yeah now you do see because that is our vision our vision is to be the mit of two-year colleges now mit is a great school it is a wonderful school it is not the best at producing lawyers that's not its thing it's not the best at producing doctors that's not its thing but it does have a niche and the world knows that what it does within that niche is amazing that's what I want for us. Mm. Let's okay. do it. <laughs> so, yeah. come on. How can we I'm, help? Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm well, in. I, and I will say, are you I, hiring? Yeah, <laughs> we, we actually are. <laughs> so uh, we we do. We uh, that's that's where I see us going because we have some amazing people. Um, I, I think the problem that higher ed has, and all of these books have ta- addressed it a little bit, and I think it's a problem with the country, and it's a problem that each of us has. I think, I think colleges and universities individuals, political parties, countries in the world, they're all going through an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. Everyone's trying to figure out who we are. And, you know, after 9-11, we were exposed to the world. And we're like, oh, gosh, we got to rethink. These people don't think we're the good guys. We think we're the good guys. And, and now we're, we're looking at everything and uh, the, the things that are going on with race, the things that are going on with, uh, with social justice, gender identity. Everybody's trying to figure out what it means to be me. And yeah. 
the one thing that I think Black River has going for it that will help us become this MIT of two-year colleges is we know who we are. Mm-hmm. We know what we do. We applaud the work of others and, and admire it, but it's not our job to copy them. Mm. And, and so we are, if you'll notice, we, what we offer is unique. And, and the people that we have are focused on doing that well mm. and, and growing our communities around that. That's fantastic. That's awesome. That is a lesson that <clears throat> can definitely be applied across any occupation uh, no matter where you are in the world or in your family and society, like that idea of know who you are, know who you aren't, mm-hmm. yeah. and be okay with that. Yeah, know thyself. Yeah, that's, somebody, somebody, uh, somebody smart, smart said, said that. that. That's yeah. right. Uh, no, I'll thyself. quote you on that. Whole <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Martin Egensperger. <laughs> yeah, I believe that was him. <laughs> Man, like, never there's... quote yourself. I, I just, I never <laughs> quote myself. That, that's my you real. Should. My real quote is never quote your darn self. I mean, that's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. There's. I, I just would encourage whoever's listening to this to just not rush past that. Like, I know that you weren't meaning that as a maxim or a lesson for other people. Like you're just saying, that's just what's true at Black River Technical College. But like, yeah, man, you do have to know yourself. Like you have to know what, who you are and who you aren't. And like, man, be okay with whatever position that is that you've been put into play and play that well, whether it's shortstop, right field, catcher. And, you know, comparison is a joy thief and it can just rob us of so much and get us off track. It's like, so I just love that message. And I love that you're comfortable with like being who y'all are. We, we, you know, we, I love, I've, I've worked at enough colleges. I know every chancellor, every president in the state uh, of Arkansas. I love them. They are all wonderful people. They all have an incredible team. They all, uh, they teach wonderful things and they they're just great. The, the state of Arkansas has great schools. Um, but I would make a poor shadow of ASU. You know, I, I, we are a poor shadow of Williams Baptist, of Crowley's Ridge. That is not who we are. And we don't want to be them because they do that well. Mm. The world doesn't need two Martins. You know, it doesn't need two Jareds, two Robert. It's It's got what it needs there. Yeah. So that that's... We we and I, and I think our campus has really embraced that. We've steered into this vocation side of our background, and that's you know that word means calling. It was our calling to do these things, and when you steer into your personal calling, you're going to do better. Hmm. Yeah, I could agree more. Nothing else I would add to that. I'm curious. Um, switching gears just a little bit before we move into rapid fire questions, just because I know that you, um, <clears throat> I mean, I know, I know because you were in the army because you were a cancer survivor, other things in your life, you said you grew up poor, mm-hmm. you've had to face adversity. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of just being successful at whatever you do in life. Um, what have you learned about facing adversity or what maybe even advice would you give to those who right now are facing adversity? And the reason I ask that is just the longer I've been alive, the more I'm convinced that every single person is facing adversity in some way, shape or form. So I'm just curious what you've learned. Well, I think you're right. Every, everybody is facing troubles. And, um, there's a, when you remember the poem by Rudyard Kipling, if, I don't. 
there's a there's a line in there and it says if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same whether we win or whether we lose you have to treat them with the equanimity uh, you don't boast when you win you know you don't mourn when you lose it is simply what you are facing and have to deal with in the moment whether this has been a great day or a bad day, yeah, you, you, you should enjoy. You should enjoy the victory, but you can enjoy the, the loss. You mm. learn from it. Mm. You, can, you, can, you, you know, when you, when you win something, you, you can realize in a zero-sum game, I won, but somebody else was me and lost. Mm. You know, I lost, but somebody else won. And it, I say that I'm a very competitive person, sure. but, but the Same truth here. is if— if you can meet with those two things and say it, it is what it is, and let's just each day move forward as though, hey, it's a new day and we're going to go. I think that's the big thing. It's hard. It's hard when you get slapped down. 100%. It is so hard. But It's but, easy to feel like the, the universe is against you. Oh, oh, oh. And it is in the same way it's against all of us. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's against all of us, you don't feel so bad. But, but I do. Is that I, the second law of thermodynamics? <laughs> Pretty much. I think that's solid. Actually, it's all decaying. It's all decaying. But no, I I think that's that's the thing. Hold on, the best the best is yet to come. Golden days are ahead, and those valleys. You know the old roller coaster ride. You know you don't get to you don't get to enjoy the thrill of a roller coaster ride without a valley and without the moment of a going up the hill. Mm -hmm. It's you. You know the old. French philosophers would say, you don't enjoy the really sweet unless you've had the bitter. Mm. And that is so easy to say, but it is so hard to believe when, when you, get the when you got the bitter. Back, yeah. And it's so easy to say, hey, you win some, you lose some, when you're on a losing streak. Yes. It, it is hard. But trying to treat those the same because they are. They're just the circumstances you are in. The way you respond to it changes everything about your perspective and your enjoyment of life. Very good. Uh, one more question I have that's just kind of random, just because I know, I'm, you know, like I told you when I started in the podcast, I just wanted to learn from certain people. And so I'm looking at a man who I would say is a leader. I don't know if you would identify as that. Not at all. Okay. <laughs> I would well, not say are, that. I, whether I, you wanted to be or uh, not, that's where the position uh, you're in. Somebody's got to call the shots. Somebody, okay, okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I, so. I could be the guy they blame. I, I'm good with that. Scapegoat, you, you say tomato. It, yeah. In your mind, maybe you can just answer it this way because I don't want to brag on yourself. What kind of leader do you want to follow? What makes for a good leader? I think somebody that's open, honest, uh, we we have a few rules on our campus, and the two big rules, the two things that we don't tolerate, we don't tolerate lying. We're in the business of credibility. If you lie, you've sacrificed all of that. Mm. So we don't tolerate lying, and we're also in the business of teaching. And so we won't allow being mean or unkind. Mm. So if you're, un- it's easy, it's easy to be uh, honest and wield it like a weapon. You know how many people? Oh. I'm just being honest here, and are mean as a snake. You know, the, I think William Blake said, the truth when told with bad intent beats all the lies you can't invent. I mean, that's, that's real. So the two things that I, I don't tolerate is, is being unkind or lying. And, and I have worked 
for what I would say is the best president in the state of Arkansas, uh, the best chancellor in the state of Arkansas in higher education, Robin Myers over at ASU Mountain Home, very best president. I'll tell him, I'll tell any president in the state because he would not lie and he was kind. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, you know, one day I want to grow up and be Robin Myers. Man, two principles that we teach to our little kids. Yeah, it's simple, mm-hmm. but hard. But hard. Mm, yeah. I think it was uh, speak the truth in love. Yeah, came from yeah, somewhere, some, right? Something like that. <laughs> you know, it was a carpenter. Sure. I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I always tra- said. trade school guy. Yeah. Trade school guy. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> that's incredible. Funny thing, hey, real quick. Can I say this? I want to say with you sitting here because I would probably say this in the outro later after you're gone. But you, Jared asked. You know, he says you're a leader, and you're like, well, I don't really think so. But I was. Uh, uh, Pat Williams wrote this book, Leadership Excellence, and he talks about the seven sides of leadership, and the first mm-hmm. two things he says number one is that a leader has vision and that clearly you do and then secondly it says a leader has to be able to communicate their vision and i know that sitting here i know jared and i both are sitting there thinking like i'm i'm catching your vision because you're able to clearly communicate it. i just think you've got a of course you're a leader yeah not just because you have a position but because the traits of a leader you, you've got those i don't know that guy that wrote that book it could be anything <laughs> i don't, I don't trust him i don't trust him <laughs> I, don't, I don't trust that so here's the way I want to end, as we do with every episode, with some rapid-fire questions. All you right. ready for it? I am. Okay. All right, let's, let's go. Uh, so here we go. What is the last, either the last show you binged or book you read? Okay, so the last show, oh, I'm, I'm trying to even remember the name. Oh, Severance. It's on okay. Apple+. Plus. It's a weird kind of Black Mirror. Okay. Oh, it's a neat show. I've not heard of it. Oh, it's weird. I'm only halfway through, but I'm like, Whoa, that's a thing. <laughs> All right, so that's good. Okay, uh, favorite band or favorite song? Three Dog night and i don't know why Uh, i love me some three dog night when i was when i was playing i always wanted to be in that band and about anything from i really dig shambhala from them now i I love some modern stuff you know there's a a zillion modern things i just dig alternative folks really kind of cool but i don't know whenever that song comes on i just get stupid what is it again shambhala from three dog night spell that Oh, on the road shambhala i don't know (laughs) s-h-a-m-b-a-l-a Okay. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm gonna You're going to have to play that as the exit song because that's it. Yeah, we might right. get sued for that. Could, yeah. 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 They'd pull her apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Pull? I think Three Dog Night would be yes. <laughs> Sweet. Point, you know, they beat CNN. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I would go. That's right. You know, we should just have you uh, picking in Granite Man. There you go. Oh, no, 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 no. That's what we should have done. No, 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 no. What's your favorite meal? Oh, breakfast. Man. We just had someone said that. So ooh, that's ooh, that's because they were right. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's fundamentally the best meal. Bacon, <laughs> sausage, or both? Yes, all actually every meat. A meat lover's omelet with like three times the added meats. It is <laughs> so oh, breakfast. Oh and and on a day where I, I just really want to just be bad, waffles and pancakes. I mean, oh, just come, come on, on. and some not, biscuits man. and gravy. Amen. There's nothing. Sometimes you just need to. You just need to. Yeah, Amen. that's it. Let it go. Um, what is on your nightstand right now? Um, I've got an, let's see, an iPad and a lamp and, um, yeah, I, I'm going to leave it at that because I, I think firearms might not be that. <laughs> <laughs> just, it's just probably not going to say yeah. that. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, last two questions. Give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. Yeah. Coming home and when my son, daughter, and or wife, all three of them, when I get a hug from each of them. Mm. It's just coming home to the hug. 
That is it. Have you always been a hugger? Or is that kind of uh, later, no, later in no, life? No, uh, we grew up. Uh, we don't. Uh, we Angersburgers don't hug. There's, there's not hugging. There's I heard, this, I've heard that about y'all. That is seriously, it's, it's out there. I mean, it's out there. Uh, we are not huggers, and and when a person in public hugs me, it's it's awkward. It is. I, I I do this square boxy. Not, I do the side hug. Oh, at, but I'm not even good at that. So, yeah. I, but some people I feel obligated. Hey, I've got to hug this person. They're sure. so kind. But that is not what we do. I stiffen up like a board. But my family, it's like I, that hug is where it's at. That's awesome. So, last question: um, What is one thing that you're deeply grateful for right now? Oh, my family. I, I you know, family. And the people I work with, it's people. I'm really grateful for for so many people that I know. I, I I couldn't list the number of people that have impacted me, influenced my life. They've just been amazing. Even people that I don't agree with, even people that I don't like. I just love the fact that I just love people and and those that are that that manage to come in and out of my circle. I just I just am really grateful for the people in my life. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm grateful for you, and I mean that. I, In the short time we've been around in this little segment, I've felt loved, I've learned, and I've laughed. How's that? Three L's. There's a, That's I a think pastor a, right there. Live, laugh, and love. I think there's a there's a sign there. Eat, pray, Very love. Close. That's what okay. I was saying. Right. I was getting there. So, <laughs> that's a good No, that's I good genuinely thing. have enjoyed our time together. Thank you. And I hope our paths cross again. So oh, I hope so. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Well, thank you, Jared and Robert. I really appreciate the time that you've given me to to share and brag about the college. They are great people. Come by, get a cup of coffee. We'll visit. All right. And that was Dr. Martin Egensberger. What an incredible guy. I honestly did not know what to expect. Yeah, I didn't either. From a president of a local college. Assumed that he'd be interesting, but he was very interesting. He was eccentric, exciting. Oh, I need another E. Eggensburger. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No, he a lot of fun to hang out with. I really do hope we can spend more time together in the near future. I think I'm going to try to go back. Just take one class to redeem myself. Oh, I feel I, I, I didn't honestly know a whole lot about Black River, um, but I was really encouraged. Yeah. Uh fired up about it he is 100 sure. man and they were doing a great thing like we even got a chance to talk to him a little bit uh once he as he's walking out like they've yeah. got great plans yeah uh ways they're partnering with our city and gonna make it better he's a so, visionary uh, he is that is a great way to describe yeah. he is a visionary for sure hey if you're still listening to this thanks so much for tuning in as always we really do appreciate it uh, be sure and check us out on our different social media platforms instagram and facebook is primarily where you're going to find us and if you've not already done so please Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Um, that just helps people to find us more quickly and learn about the incredible people who are living right here in our community. So, as always, thanks so much for listening. Until next time.